2 Chronicles 25 Amaziah was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. He did that which was right in Yahweh's eyes, but not with a perfect heart. Now when the kingdom was established to him, he killed his servants who had killed his father the king, but he didn't put their children to death but did according to that which is written in the law of the book of Moses, as Yahweh commanded, saying, The fathers shall not die for the children, neither shall the children die for the fathers, but every man shall die for his own sin. Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and ordered them according to their fathers' houses, under captains of thousands and captains of hundreds, even all Judah and Benjamin. He counted them from twenty years old and upward, and found that there were 300,000 chosen men able to go out to war who could handle spear and shield. He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valour out of Israel for a hundred talents of silver. A man of God came to him saying, O king, don't let the army of Israel go with you, for Yahweh is not with Israel, but with all the children of Ephraim. But if you will go, take action and be strong for the battle, God will overthrow you before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. Amasiah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? The man of God answered, Yahweh is able to give you much more than this. Then Amaziah separated them, the army that had come to him out of Ephraim, to go home again. Therefore their anger was greatly kindled against Judah, and they returned home in fierce anger. Amaziah took courage and led his people out and went to the Valley of Salt and struck 10,000 of the children of Seir. The children of Judah carried away 10,000 alive and brought them to the top of the rock and threw them down from the top of the rock so that they all were broken in pieces. But the men of the army whom Amaziah sent back that they should not go with him to the battle fell on the cities of Judah from Samaria even to Beth Horon and struck of them 3,000 and took much plunder. Now after Amaziah had come from the slaughter of the Edomites, he brought the gods of the children of Seir and set them up to be his god, gods, and bowed down himself before them and burned incense to them. Therefore Yahweh's anger burned against Amaziah, and he sent to him a prophet, who said to him, Why have you sought after the gods of the people, which have not delivered their own people out of your hand? As he talked with him, the king said to him, Have we made you one of the king's counsellors? Stop! Why should you be struck down? Then the prophet stopped and said, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not listened to my counsel. Then Amaziah, king of Judah, consulted his, his advisers and sent to Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let's look one another in the face. Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, the thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son as his wife. Then a wild animal that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled down the thistle. You say to yourself that you have struck Edom, and your heart lifts you up to boast. Now stay at home. Why should you meddle with trouble that you should fall, even you and Judah with you? But Amaziah would not listen. For it was of God that he might deliver them into the hand of their enemies, because they had sought after the gods of Edom. So Joash king of Israel went up, and he and Amaziah king of Judah looked one another in the face at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. 
Judah was defeated by Israel, so every man fled to his tent. Joash, the king of Israel, took Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, at Beth Shemesh, and brought him to Jerusalem, and broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate to Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. He took all the gold and silver and all the vessels that were found in God's house with Obed-Edom, and the treasures of the king's house, the hostages also, and returned to Samaria. Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived for 15 years after the death of Joash, son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of Amaziah, first and last, behold, aren't they written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? Now from the time that Amaziah turned away from following Yahweh, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem. He fled to Lashish, but they sent after him to Lashish and killed him there. They brought him on horses and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. King Amaziah, it says, followed the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. And um, often what happens in the, in the, I've noticed with Chronicles, is that it tends to describe their you know, heart towards the Lord in the starting out years, and then sometimes they change in the later years. So it says here that he followed the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Well, that was at the beginning. But then later on, he turned his back on the Lord. They went down to Edom, and um, they defeated the Edomites, and he took a great... Now, I guess before they defeated the Edomites, he had done this census and worked out there were 300,000 fighting men in Judah, and then he'd also sent 100 talents of silver up to Ephraim, one of the tribes of Israel, and hired mercenaries, another 100,000. So he has an army of 400,000 available to him. But the prophet says, why are you getting those guys involved? Um, the Lord doesn't like those guys. He doesn't want them to be a part of it. He, in fact, if they're in your army, the Lord's going to fight against you, so get rid of them. So the king says, but what about the money I paid for them? A hundred talents of silver. I tried to find out how much that was. It's nearly impossible. One, uh, we've talked about values like this before in other chapters, and I've explained previously how hard it is to figure out how much this is worth. One website said it was equivalent to $1.6 million, which doesn't sound like a lot to me to hire for the hire of 100,000 men. Like if you were gonna hire an army of 100,000 men, you'd need a lot more than $1.6 million. So I, to me, that just doesn't sound right. Another website had it up in the billions. Uh, that could be right. It's really hard to say. Either way, we know it's a lot of money. and because he says to the prophet, what about this huge amount of money I've paid? And the prophet says, well, look, the Lord can replace that. And so they go down against the Edomites. They send those 100,000 men back who are angry. Now, I thought to myself, why would they be angry? Because they've basically been paid for not having to do anything. Well, commentators have opinions on these things. And what it seems to be is that they're angry at the fact that they don't get to be a part of the battle because number one, it reflects on their dignity and, dignity and their honor. Like basically, you guys, we don't want you, you know, <laughs> your help isn't valuable to us. So that's kind of dishonorable. And the other thing is that they don't get to be a part of the victory and then the, the looting and plundering that comes afterwards. So there's like extra financial incentive that they're missing out on, as well as the fact that it's dishonorable to say, no, we don't want your help. So there's those two reasons it could have been those that made them angry. 
So anyway, they go down to attack Edom without the extra 100,000 men and they have a great victory. And then Amaziah does the dumbest thing. He gets the gods of Edom and brings them back so that he can worship them too. Now, it's dumb in multiple levels. It's dumb from our perspective. We look at this and we say, you've got the Lord that's on your side. Why would you want to get some other gods and, and worship them? So it's dumb like that. But it's even dumber than that because in the ancient world, the way that they thought about it was that they thought that every nation has their own gods. So Amaziah doesn't necessarily think that there's only one God in the world. He doesn't necessarily think there's only Yahweh and that's it. He, he quite possibly thought that every nation had their own gods and um, that I'm just worshipping this one. That's what they call henotheism. So like Jacob, for example, when he leaves his father and his father's house and he has that vision of the ladder going up to heaven with the angels and that the next morning he says, Lord, if you will look after me, then you will be my God. So he's like making a choice. You're going to be my God. There's lots of gods to choose from, but I'm choosing you. So henotheism is where you, you kind of accept the idea there are lots of gods, but you only follow one. Polytheism is where you accept the idea there are lots of gods and you worship you know, more than one. And so Amaziah probably accepts the idea that there's multiple gods and he decides to worship more than one. He becomes a polytheist, which is a terrible thing to do. But what's so dumb about it is that the, the Edomites just were defeated in battle. And in, in ancient culture and in ancient times, the way that people used to think about this was that, that your God would help you win the battle. So if you defeated a nation, their God was clearly inferior. And if they're not capable of helping them, why would you want to follow their gods either? And so we see this later with King Hezekiah when the Assyrians are attacking and they're defeating nation after nation. And the Assyrian king is basically saying, all these gods are no good. Why would your God be any good? And so that's an example of this type of thinking. So the fact is that Amaziah defeats a nation and in, in theory, the God of that nation is, is, is not strong enough to, to help but he now takes that so-called weak God and starts worshiping it. That's just the dumbest thing. And then that's why the prophet comes and says, why would you do this? This is sheer lunacy. It doesn't make sense at all. So is there any good reason why he might've done that? Well, none that I can think of. Um, one of the commentators came up with a possible solution, a possible answer, but to me it's a dumb answer. But you remember way back in the book of Samuel, the children of Israel were fighting with the Philistines and the Philistines defeated Israel because the Lord didn't fight for them. They, took, they, they decided to take the Ark of the Covenant into the battle and the Philistines got all terrified. Oh no, their gods have come into the camp. You know, like these are the gods that delivered them out of Egypt. So the Philistines were terrified thinking, here's a powerful weapon we can't defeat. But the Lord didn't like the idea that he was just being used as a lucky charm, and so he didn't fight. So the, basically the Lord had his own mind and he decided not to turn up for the battle. So in that story, God was strong enough to help his own people, but he didn't want to. So one of the commentators is just suggesting, well, Amaziah must have thought that the gods of Edom were so wonderful that they didn't want to, but they didn't want to help their own people, they wanted to help Amaziah instead. So, 
they're basically suggesting that the gods of Edom chose Amaziah and he rewarded them by choosing them back. So there's kind of some sort of a logic there, but it, in my opinion, it's not very good. And um, so uh, Amaziah ends up becoming proud of his great victory and then he decides he's going to attack the nation of Israel and that turns out to be a terrible thing and he ends up being pursued and killed in the town of Lashish and he comes to a terrible, terrible end. So here's a guy that it says, follow the, that follow the Lord but not with a perfect heart, that's in the beginning, and then at the end of his life he didn't follow the Lord at all. And I think if, if you follow the Lord, but you don't follow the Lord wholeheartedly, in other words, you follow the Lord with a mixed heart or not with a perfect heart, the great danger is that you're going to fall away from the Lord. Because you're not putting the Lord properly in place, it's easy to fall away like what happened here. And so if you're someone that says to yourself, oh, um, uh, for example, you know, King Solomon in the Proverbs, he, he says, um, don't go down to the adulterous woman's house. You know, the, the, the footpath to her house is slippery. And so he describes, you know, this place of great temptation and he says, just don't go there. But a foolish Christian might say, oh, I can follow God and I can do A, B and C too. You know, it's okay to, to do this. And so when Christians think like that, you know, I can do whatever I want, and it, but I can still follow God too, because they're not following the Lord with a perfect heart. It's a mixture. They find that by very nature of thinking like that, they slip away from God. So they're, they're on slippery ground. It's not a stable way to live. If you're like that, if you're someone that, that wants to follow the Lord, but you want to do everything else as well, and you think you're probably, if you think I'm strong enough to do that, there's your first mistake and you need to immediately realize and stop. You need to get on your knees and say, Lord, I need your help. Otherwise, you'll turn out like King Amaziah. Heavenly Father, I ask that the word of the Lord would now rest in our hearts. Each one of us, Lord, are weak. We have our human faults and our human failings, and we're tempted by things. Lord, help us, strengthen us, and help us to walk in the ways of the Lord. Give grace to your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.